In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The books of Maccabees are really favorites of Catholics who um, read the Bible, especially Catholics who get into apologetics because it's in Maccabees that we read about prayers and sacrifices being offered up for the dead that the dead may be forgiven of their sins. Awesome stuff. So when we learn apologetics and are learning about how to explain purgatory to people, uh, that's, that's where it begins. Only problem is that um, uh, most Protestants don't take the Maccabees seriously because it's not in their Bible. It's in the Septuagint, uh, the Greek version of the Old Testament, which was good enough for the Christian church for centuries. Uh, some Jews didn't regard it as normative. Uh, and by and large, Protestant reformers, 1,500 years later, decided to exclude those things that were uh, dependent upon the Greek text. So, um, but not only do we hear about offering of sacrifices that the dead may be forgiven of their sins, but we also hear the great stories of the heroic suffering and martyrdom of the Maccabees, uh, not only in uprising against foreign powers, but, but also just in, in standing up to their own religious authorities who were uh, dragging them into idolatry. And um, so their beautiful, beautiful um, history is something that we're able to uh, revisit from, from time to time. So I encourage you to, to uh, familiarize yourself with it if you haven't already. Now, what's even more remarkable about um, the martyrdom of the Maccabees is that they couldn't be certain that there would be a resurrection of the dead. They were confident But there was no religious authority at the time that made clear and definitive that, yes, there will be a resurrection of the dead. There is something for those who faithfully serve God in the afterlife, as opposed to everyone, good and bad, going to the same dark place of Sheol. How remarkable it is then, not only that they have such a religious spirit, that they have their own religious intuition that makes them confident that, yes, there must be something because they are so convinced in the goodness and the justice of God and they are so aware of the conditions of the world where good people really do suffer at times and bad people really do thrive in the world some of the time, much of the time. If it's only the one who is absolutely convinced in the goodness of God who will conclude then that there must be something awaiting after death those who serve God faithfully. People who don't have a deep spiritual life conclude the opposite. They conclude there must not be a God or God must not care. The exact same experience but happening to people of, of, of different depth has opposite effect. Being so convinced in the resurrection of the dead is also a condition for discerning a, a, a life of sacrifice, especially a celibate vocation to the priesthood, 
to the religious life. It is one thing for our faith, for our life in the church to be the most important part of our life. And that's great. That's really tremendous. In fact, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's still yet another thing for your faith to be your entire life. The only thing that you do. There is a degree of confidence that is required of the person who is making faith in Jesus the most important part of their worldly life. But in a real way, someone who's embracing a celibate vocation, whether it be a young woman embracing religious motherhood as a sister or a nun, or a young man embracing spiritual fatherhood as a brother or a a deacon as a priest. Specifically, that celibate vocation requires the person to be um, really betting their whole life. My life will be a waste if this is not true, if that does not await me. When I was um, discerning my vocation to the very day of turning down all the offers to grad school and, and heading directly towards seminary, all of a sudden I didn't believe anything. I still went to daily mass. I, wasn't, I shouldn't say I didn't believe anything. I didn't know why I believed any of it. I went on retreat, as I always, always had for years on end, Went to a Trappist Monastery, Gethsemane, and talked to the, voc- uh, the guest master there. Um, I don't remember his name. I'll always remember the red Asics wrestling shoes he wore under his habit. I thought he would chew me out, and he told me, good, I'm glad this is happening. I would be worried if this weren't happening. Absolute confidence in the resurrection, then, is something that is a part of our profession of faith. Living it out more and more heroically tests that faith, strengthens it, purifies it. You've heard me say before that, and as we pray in the prayers of the faithful almost every week, Chastity and specifically virginity, those are preconditions for being able to discern a religious vocation or a priestly vocation. We have to be able to close our eyes, be at peace, and pray, and be able to notice where God is tugging us, one direction or the other. There can't be violent forces just completely competing over us. Then all we can do is we can identify a good, powerful force that takes us over, but we need to be able to just... Um, pray in order to discern. But that's a precondition. Another precondition is this absolute confidence in the resurrection. We've had a lot of funerals here this week, uh, over the last few weeks, but especially this last week. And as you know, the prayers of the Mass can be the prayers of the day. Uh, or the prayers of the season, like today, Sunday. They can also be a votive mass. We always have a votive mass if there isn't a saint's day to celebrate. And occasionally there is an event that determines the prayers of the mass, confirmation, for instance, or a funeral. 
Likewise, the prayers of the Liturgy of the Hours, which some of you pray, uh, we chant Vespers here on Sundays, first Sundays of the month, every Sunday of Advent and Lent. These prayers, likewise, done by every priest and sister and brother uh, and deacon in the world, um, they have prayers that are specific to the day of that season or to that day of the calendar year because of a saint's feast day, but also for the particular occasion, there is an entirely distinct office in the back, in the appendix, called the Office of the Dead. We can pray that for our office that day. On any day when we'd be able to offer a funeral mass. I learned that clearly the day that Bishop Keating passed away. I was in Rome, supposed to see him less than 24 hours later. And the rector of the seminary informed us of his death. And we, the seminarians immediately gathered and we started to pray the Office of the Dead. And then Father Planty, who was then at the Diplomatic Academy for the Holy See, he joined us in prayer, but promptly told us, you're not allowed to pray the Office of the Dead on Sundays. Uh, or it can't count as your office. Obviously, you can pray it addition, additionally. But um, ever since then, I had a huge devotion. Well, even before then, I had a huge devotion to the Office of the Dead. I've even compiled it into a little booklet that I hope to publish one day, if the bishop uh, permits. And at the end of each hour, Office of Readings, Morning Prayer, Daytime Prayer, Evening Prayer... There are seven different possible concluding prayers. You can choose any one of them. They can be prayers specific to one person, prayers for everyone, prayers for our friends and benefactors. There's one prayer that I've always disliked, I admit. It's the first one of the options. And it says, Lord, hear our prayers. By raising your son from the dead, you have given us faith. Strengthen our hope that so-and-so, our brother or sister, will share in his resurrection. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. So the, the ask is strengthen our hope that our brother will share in his resurrection. That's always seemed like a really weak prayer to me. I want to be praying that he goes to heaven, that he be forgiven of his sins, that he be purified, sanctified. I don't, I don't want to be praying that I feel better about his being gone. That's always seemed putting the cart before the horse. Until this summer, when it became very clear that there are times that we need to be strengthened in our faith in the resurrection of Christ, in the resurrection of the dead. There are times when someone we love passes away and we can have every confidence because of the sacraments that they are in heaven or on their way to heaven. But what needs to happen is we need to be convinced in the resurrection. Otherwise, there is no hope. There is no peace. So I encourage you to pray for our seminarians, to pray that their discernment be guided by the Holy Spirit, 
and no peace and joy be manifested by charity. And pray for all the faithful departed. And pray for each other that we might be confident in Christ's resurrection and live our lives as convinced witnesses that not only did he rise from the dead, but those who live and die in him will rise on the last day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.